coincidentally, this, this psalm I referenced in the last uh, sermon I preached before we left, Sunday before last, when we were talking about the flood and floodwaters, I'd actually referenced the beginning of this psalm. And uh, we've just been kind of going through a psalm a, psalm a week, and, and we're on Psalm 69. So we'll kind of talk about some of the same things that we, that we talked about briefly Sunday before last. We won't cover the whole psalm tonight. It's a good psalm. It's 36 verses, but it's probably best to split it into two halves. So we'll cover the first 18 verses today. That's a good good jump-off spot when we get to verse 18. And Lord willing, we'll cover the rest of them next week. Remind everybody, too, that this Sunday after church, we'll be having our uh, special business meeting to talk about the flooring, what we want to do for the flooring. So... Make sure to remember that. I've been trying to announce that for the last month or so and get it in the newsletter and in the bulletin. So we'll talk about that following Sunday service. All right, Psalm 69. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for the freedom that we have to come here tonight. I thank you for the men and women who have given their life for the freedom that we have in this country, dear Lord. And I pray that you bless the families of those who have lost loved ones through the years, dear Lord. God, we thank you for this freedom, and sometimes we take it for granted, but help us not to do so. I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that in your word tonight you would speak to us. God, I pray that as, as, as those who are here to seek your word tonight, that we would find freedom in it and find freedom in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would just hide me behind the cross. I pray that these verses today would connect to each of us in some way and things that we're either going through today or things that we may go through in the future, I pray that these words would help us out. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The superscription says, For the choir director, according to the lilies, Davidic. This is a Davidic psalm, uh, probably something that would have been sung when it speaks of the lilies there, uh, possibly a tune from some song that these words would be sung to. Uh, not so different from the, the songs that we just sang. They're, they're songs with a good message that are put to a certain tune. Sometimes we may even sing, sing the tune to one song with words of another song. Occasionally you see that. You see somebody kind of change the words up but use the same tune. And that's uh, possibly what's taking place in psalms like these. But I don't know exactly what David was going through when this psalm was written. There are some suggestions as to what it may be, but I'm not sure exactly when this took place, and it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when this took place for David. The, the thing that we must remember with God's Word is that it can always apply to us no matter how it applied to David, and we probably can relate to some of David's feelings in this psalm. Whatever the difficulties were in David's life, whether they were difficulties that he brought on himself, that is, they were consequences to something he had done, or whether it was just enemies that were coming and attacking him for whatever reason, the words that David penned here are good words for us, and probably uh, we'll find some, some, uh, some connection with these words as we read through them. Psalm 69, verse 1. Save me, God, for the water has risen to my neck. I have sunk in deep mud, and there is no footing. I have come into deep waters. And a flood sweeps over me. 
Now, this is figurative language here. This is not literal. David's not in a literal flood, but he's using the idea of a flood to symbolize his situation and just how bad it is. He feels like he is drowning. He feels like he's stuck in the mud and the water is arising. If you've ever been stuck in really thick mud, you can't hardly get out of it. You really got to tug and pull and you may even have to get somebody to give you a hand. And so you can imagine that 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 imagery that, that David is using. Maybe you know firsthand what it's like when you, your foot is stuck and the waters are rising. And David says, my situation is just that bad. I feel like God that I'm stuck and the waters are about to overtake me. The flood waters are about to, to, to come over my head. They're up to my neck. So I'm, I'm, at, I'm at the worst spot I can be. I cannot take much more or else the flood will overtake me. And some of, some of us, probably all of us, can relate to that. We've been in situations maybe now, maybe in the past, or maybe in the future where we'll be in those times where it feels like there's not much more I can take. God, I'm overwhelmed. So what do we do in those times? Well, the first two words of the psalm are good words for us to, to, to repeat. Save me. Save me, God. Why? Because my situation is about to overcome me. And then he says in verse 3, I am weary from my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. So he's crying out to God in verse 1, and he's been crying out to God for a long time. He is weary from his situation, from his crying. Can you relate to that? Has there ever been a situation in which you were just, you, you called out to God, you cried out to God so much, and, and yet the situation was still tough? It did not instantly get better. And maybe you can relate to this. You, you have been weary and spent days and nights where sleep escaped you, and you, you wept in your bed, and you called out to the Lord, and his throat was parched. As he called out to the Lord, his, his eyes failed looking for the Lord. Now, perhaps his eyes failed because they were simply uh, tired of looking for the Lord. It may be phys uh, uh, figurative language. It may be literal language. Perhaps because of his tears, his eyes were so swollen. Perhaps because of his lack of sleep, his eyes were beginning to fail as he focused on God continually. Perhaps it was, it was reading God's Word in some way, shape, or form of something he had read repeatedly. Uh, sometimes when we read repeatedly, our eyes begin to fail. And in whatever way this occurred, it was in his seeking of the Lord that his eyes had failed him. He had looked so diligently and had been seeking God so faithfully that his eyes were failing and that his throat was parched and that he was weary from crying and seeking out to the Lord. And there are days that we feel this way in our life. These days come in our life. And sometimes these days turn into weeks and turn into months and turn into years. And David, ever how long it had been, it was too long. It doesn't matter if these times come for a day or for a week. It's not fun. A day seems like a week and a week seems like a month. And so what do we do? We continue to seek God. In the midst of our floodwaters, we call out to God. We don't give up, even though may, we may be weary and parched and our eyes may fail us. Let us keep to turn our eyes to the Lord and continue to seek Him as David did in this psalm. Verse 4, Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs of my head. My deceitful enemies who would destroy me are powerful. Though, it, though I did not steal, I must repay. So here we see part of David's problem. It is some enemies. They come, they come against him 
without cause. That is, he's, he's done nothing wrong in this instance. And even though he did not steal or did not do anything wrong with them, he's, he's paying the consequences. He's paying the price for these enemies that are more numerous than the hairs on his head. That is, there are a lot of people against David for whatever reason. And David feels the weight of that. Sometimes it feels like that, right? Sometimes there are people against us, maybe one, maybe two, maybe a handful at our job or, or at our school or at our church or wherever it may be. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like the whole world is against us. When things are really going bad, we kind of get depressed, we kind of get grumpy, we, we kind of get defensive, and, and we, just, we get this mindset that everybody's against us. And so we kind of feel that the, the weight of the world is pressing on us. And, and, and sometimes we say, now, I don't deserve this. I haven't done anything wrong, but yet I'm having to go through it. And sometimes that may be the case, that it may not be something that we've done that's caused us to go through the things that we go through, but yet sometimes we have to go through those things. And David knew exactly how that felt, and I suspect you do too. In verse 5, God, you know my foolishness, and my guilty acts are not hidden from you. Now, in this particular cause in verse 4, he says, look, those hate me without cause. But David is not saying that I'm completely innocent or that I'm without sin. And he does something that we need to make a note of and we need to remember in our life. He says, God, you know my foolishness. He acknowledged that, look, in this particular instance, maybe he was without, without fault uh, against these who were coming at him without cause. But David was certainly not saying he was blameless. He knew that he was foolish. He knew that he had done many things that he was guilty of. And he said, God, my guilty acts are not hidden from you. God, I'm confessing my foolishness to you. In the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my foolishness, God, I'm calling out to you. And maybe that's for a good place for us to start. God saved me from where I am, but God also, I want to acknowledge my foolishness, my sinfulness to you. And I want you to know, God, that I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty, and you know I'm guilty. And so I'm acknowledging that. God, I'm, a I'm asking you to help me, not because I'm perfect. I'm asking you to help me because I'm guilty, and I can't be helped apart from you. And so he says, look, God, my sins are not hidden from you, and neither are our sins hidden from God. So the best thing to do when we are in a time of, of suffering or, or, or whatever we're going through at any time, if there's sin in our life, which there is, we need to acknowledge that foolishness and say, God... Help me not to live in the foolishness, but to live in your wisdom. Verse 6, Do not let those who put their hope in you be disgraced because of me, Lord God of hosts. Do not let those who seek you be humiliated because of me, God of Israel. Now David says there are going to be some who are going to look at my situation and knowing that David is a godly man, they may lose hope because of what David is going through. Now, whether this was of David's doing or not, it doesn't really matter. Even if David was without cause here, and all of these enemies are coming against David, who was a godly man, other godly men and women may look at that and, and may lose hope. They say, well, man, if David is a man of God and he's going through these things, what hope do I have? They may, they may lose hope in the power of God to deliver them from their circumstances. But David prays this here. He says, look, those who see my situation and know what I'm going through, don't let them lose hope because of my situation, dear Lord. Uh, do not let those who seek you be humiliated because of me. Now, 
It could be also that David has sinned in some way that has caused this situation to come on him. And perhaps that's what he's saying here. God, don't let my sin and the results of my sin turn people away from you. Now that, that happens, and we need to be aware of that as Christians, and me especially so as a pastor, because you, can, you may can think of an example where there's some Christian man or woman that you have really looked up to, maybe even a pastor, and they've had some, some big sin. They've said or done something. Maybe it was kind of unexpected and caught you off guard, and you said, man, I really can't believe that they acted that way. Or maybe it was something really major. And sometimes when we, when, we, when we see other brothers and sisters in Christ that we respect, and we see them fail and, and sin in such a way, sometimes it kind of takes the wind out of our sails. And some people may say, you know what, here I have, I followed this person, and look, they, they sinned in this way, they were a, they were a scam, they've, they've been cheating people, they've been doing this. And they turn their back on God because of the sin of the person. That's why it's important for us never to follow people instead of God. Because people can fail. Even good men and women of God can, can sin and fail. I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm not saying that they cannot be forgiven and cannot be restored in some instances. But what I'm saying is, is that we don't want to put our, our, our hope in, in a man or a woman because they will fail. It is inevitable that they will fail. And David's prayer, if that is the case, and maybe it is or maybe it isn't, if it indeed is the case that David sinned, well, this is, a, this is a, a, a good prayer for him to pray. God, don't let the things that I'm going through that may be because of my sin turn other people away from you. And that needs to be something that's on our mind, that we need to strive to live our life in such a way that our failures won't be a stumbling block for others who are looking at us. But even if we should fail in such a way that our sins bring trouble on us, let our prayer be, God, don't, don't let my failure as your child cause others to stumble. Now, we need to repent. We don't want to keep living in sin, if that's the case. But we don't want our life to be a, a stumbling block for somebody else. Verse 7, For I have endured insults because of you, and shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's sons, because zeal for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I mourned and fasted, but it brought me insults. I wore sackcloth as my clothing, and I was a joke to them. And so David seems to be standing firm on the Lord. And that's part of the reason why he's going through what he's going through. Because he says there in verse 7, I have endured insults because of you. Because, who is the you there? Because of God. Because he is obedient to God. Because he is trusting in God. And, and sometimes you see that. Uh, we saw that... Uh, with Nehemiah and the group that were building the wall. They didn't care nothing about God's people or about God. They mocked, they mocked God's people, but yet God's power was with them and he delivered them. And so it was with David. Even though he was being insulted for following God and serving God, well, God delivered him from this. And good news, God delivers us too. It doesn't mean that we won't have to suffer, maybe sometimes for long periods, but God will always deliver those who are his children, always. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we trust God, we will be delivered from the troubles of this world into a better life. Sometimes we're delivered from those troubles in this life, and sometimes we're delivered from those troubles by God taking us out of this life. But God will deliver those who are His. In verse 9, it says, Because zeal for your house has 
consumed me. Now, the first part of this we see in John, I believe John chapter 2, uh, when Jesus is cleansing the temple. This, this verse is quoted uh, by John there. And then we see the second part of this verse 9 uh, in Romans, I think Romans chapter 15. Uh, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. In fact, if you want to turn there, Romans 15, Romans 15 verses 3 and 4 is where you'll find Paul speaking about, about this verse that, was, that he referenced. In Romans 15, verses 3 and 4. For even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So here, uh, uh, Paul is speaking of Jesus and, and using this verse as an application. Now, Paul certainly knows about being, uh, being insulted for, for, for Christ's sake, for standing up for Christ. And he, he quotes that passage we just read, Psalm 69, verse 9, the second part of it. And then in verse 4, he says, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. And so Paul says something good here. These things that we read, and at least in Paul's day, what we call the Old Testament, were from the past. But Paul said, look, they're still good in that. And he still puts application uh, of that uh, uh, to, to Jesus and what he suffered, and even in Paul's life through what he suffered. But he finds good in what was written in the past, which is why we come and read God's Word every week, because there's good in God's Word. It's good for us. Even those of us who come hundreds of years later, God's Word is good for us. And for what re reason? Because what was written in the past was for our instruction. Why are we reading Psalm 69? It was written hundreds of years for Jesus. Why don't we just read Jesus? Well, even Paul acknowledged that the Old Testament passages are good for us. They're instruction for us. Why? Because we go through struggles similar to what David went through. We feel like David felt sometimes. And how did David respond? Ah, there's the instruction. This is how we are to respond to our struggles, like David responded, so that we may have hope through endurance. Well, what did David have? That's what he wanted. He said, God, don't let the people lose their hope because of what's going on in my life. He wanted the people to endure. And so we do see that very instruction that Paul talks about in our yeah, uh, yeah, Paul talks about it in Romans 15. We see what he's speaking of in, in, in Psalm 69, that same hope that David prayed for and that same endurance that David had and wanted the others to have is what you and I hopefully are getting from this psalm as we look back at it today, just as Paul acknowledged, hey, there's good in these old writings, and that's why we're reading it tonight. All right, verse 12. Those who sit at the city gate talk about me, and the drunkards make up songs about me. But as for me, Lord, my prayer to you is for a time of favor and your abundance, faithful love. God, answer me with your sure salvation. So all these enemies are, 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 are around him. And not only that, but everybody around town's talking about him too. I mean, word is out. David's situation is not good. People are against him. People are talking about him. Even the drunks are making up songs about him. I mean, he's as low as he can get. Man, it don't seem like anything's going to get done. Even the, even the drunkards seem to be doing better than David's doing. And sometimes it feels that way in our life. 
that everybody that's not against us knows about our situation, is talking about it, and, and even the worst of the worst people may have it better than we have it. But yet David did not give up. He said, but as for me, Lord, my prayer for you is for a time of favor. God, give me a time of favor. God, give me a time of peace. God, give me a time where my enemies are not going to get the better of me anymore, but I'm going to be delivered. That's what we want, right? In the midst of the days that we feel like the flood's coming in, we want peace. We want just a moment of, of peace and comfort and security and God's favor that we know God has not left us, but that things are going to look up and things are going to get better. And he says, in your abundant, faithful love, God, answer me with your sure salvation. There's that idea of salvation, that, that idea of deliverance, of being saved from his enemies, of being saved from his sin, from his foolishness. Who can save us? Well, there is nobody who can save us other than God through Jesus Christ. That's where salvation comes from. We see that salvation in the New Testament kind of in a fresh new light in Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a, a better salvation, a more perfect salvation. Yeah, David wants salvation. He wants to be saved from his situation. But in Jesus Christ, we're saved from something much greater than just our hard times when people are coming against us. We are saved from the very sin that dooms us to death and separation from God. And so David desires that salvation, uh, uh, just, a, just a taste of that deliverance that only God can give him. Verse 14, rescue me from the miry mud. Don't let me sink. Let me be rescued from those who hate me. And from the deep waters, don't let the flood waters sweep over me or the deep swallow me up. Don't let the pit close its mouth over me. And so we've kind of come full circle here in the first half of this psalm. David kind of ends this section in the same way that he begins the psalm. He addresses what's going on. There are people against him. His situation is bad. He has his own foolishness and sin that he acknowledges to God. But even though everyone around him knows the situation and mocks him, he will not give in. He will not give up. He will continue to seek God. He will not be overcome by the floodwaters. Why? Because his salvation will come, and it will come from the Lord. And so it is for you and I. Our salvation and our times of trouble, whether they are today or whether they are next week, if there are struggles like David had, our salvation will come from the Lord. But our salvation from our sin is much greater, and that is what we seek in Jesus Christ, to be delivered, to be forgiven, to be saved from our sins. So let us be found faithful to call out and say, God, save me. God, I am overcome by my sin. I am overcome by the things of the world. God, save me. God, deliver me. God, rescue me. God, be my salvation. And that comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this psalm. This is a good one, dear Lord. It's a psalm that is good, I think, because we can probably all relate to it. So help us, dear Lord, to seek you in our times of trouble, whatever the cause of those troubles may be. There may be times, God, that we are innocent, but we are under attack. There may be other times, dear Lord, that our foolishness has got us into trouble. But God, whatever the cause of our trouble, you are the deliverance from it. So God, I pray that you'd be with us to stand against those who stand against us. And I pray that we'd be faithful to seek you and to repent and acknowledge our sinfulness to you. God, so that we may know that there is salvation in none other than Jesus Christ. And I pray that if there is one 
that hears these words tonight that has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, God, that they would simply repeat after David and say, God, save me. And that salvation comes through Jesus. And I pray that everybody here will find that and hear that and know that salvation tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.